0: Well, here we are again, Three Gens Theology. Good to be with you today. My name is uh, Dan Hayden. This is my father-in-law, Dr. Jim Ruff, and behind the camera there is my son, Cy Hayden. I share those clearly as names because we're going to be talking about the name of God today, and looking forward to uh, having that discussion uh, together, and then, uh, of course, uh, with you as you participate. Um, so we're... we're not just labeled with these names so we can be identified, but um, it it ends up that uh, the names of Scripture mean something. And so we're looking forward to how that might uh, play itself out in our better understanding of who the Lord is. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this opportunity. May you be magnified as we discuss this. May we truly lift up your name.
1: And uh, Lord, help us in this time. In Christ's name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Dan. Good morning. We, uh, last week, spent some time in, uh, in our podcast the sort of introducing this issue of the names of God, talking about the language that relates to uh, the doctrine of God. And in the course of our discussion, we brought up a couple of illustrations. Uh, for instance, the one from Romeo and Juliet, Uh, In which Juliet was suggesting that Romeo throw away his name We asked the question. Is it important for us? Is it specifically and very? uh, uh, Continually important for us to think about the names of God as he reveals himself in Scripture And we answered that in fact it is important the names God selected for himself Surprisingly, whether they're in the Old Testament or the New Testament, for the most part, are names that were already found in the ancient Near East. The Hebrew and Greek names uh, Elohim, Yah, and Theos were names that were found uh, in the ancient Near East. Uh, And they brought different images to the minds of the different peoples who heard them. Uh, Different gods were named after Uh, with these names in such a way that when the people named their own children, they would often include these elements as part of the names of their children. And yet, God chose these names. And in choosing them, he filled them with meaning by the way in which he revealed himself in the scriptures. And so the names themselves, while they have a specific basic meaning, mean much more when we see what God has said about himself, utilizing these names. Uh, Just as there are different conventions in different countries as to how you name a child, uh, some people just choosing a family name or uh, a name that they've liked for a long time. Others having to literally go to an expert in giving names. This is especially true in Asia where you would be given advice as to what the appropriate name would be hmm. that you would give to this child. Um, there are various attitudes as to what names mean. But as far as the ancient Near East is concerned, the significance of a name was much more than its sound. The significance of a name was its relationship to the family of the individual who bore it, or the, the uh, reputation of the individual who had it. And so when we talk about uh, the names of God, we recognize the fact that God's reputation is tied to the names that he selected for himself. And so when he does not want the names to be used in vain, that means he does not want in any way, uh, shame to be brought upon him by those individuals who use his name. In translating the Word of God into other languages, it's important that we think carefully about this issue of how to translate God's name. And later on in our studies, we're going to talk a little bit about how that problem works out in practice. But for now, we want to be ready to dig in to what the Scriptures tell us about God through the names He chose for Himself.
0: So this actually plays itself out from our study in Bibliology Mm -hmm. where we saw that the Lord used the vocabulary of the person that was writing and a vocabulary that was understandable by those who would be hearing or reading the scriptures. And so in the same way, as he tries to explain who he is through his names, he uses the words that are understood by Mm -hmm. the people um, and continue to be understood by the people. Um again the, as we said with the um anthropomorphisms, they share a truth about him, but they don't capture the whole thing. Right. And so the names are that way as well, right? Yes. That, that they would share uh evidence of who he is, but they there is no name that could capture that's right. Capture who he is. And any any name that would be uh synonymous with false gods, I mean that, that you would use the same word for your understanding of Thor, and your understanding of God Almighty, right? Uh, it, it that word's going to fall short. Yes. Right. That word's going to fall short. Uh, so, um, you know, I, I think it's, but it's evidence of that study from Bibliology that we did that it's words that are known. Yes. To be able to, uh, to explain who he is. In and his it's
1: it is as a very clear indication of how seriously. God took the issue of how they used his name. We find in Isaiah forty-eight nine, Ezekiel twenty forty-four, and other passages very clear indications that despite the sin and the rebellion of God's people, he refused to completely cast them off and to cancel the promises he had made, because the promises were based upon his names authority that he had put his promise upon his very name and so that anything that was done that would besmirch his name was still not going to bring him to the place where he would break his promises because he was keeping his promises for the sake of his own name, his reputation.
0: So as we see the, uh, the, the major names of, of God, as we're going to step into them, um, they are they are words that we can know what they mean, but translating them can be difficult. Mm-hmm. So not just the translation into English, that we have come to know those translations in our Bibles, but then taking them to unknown languages, Yes. And trying to translate them into those languages is a challenge as well. Right. Right? Yeah. Right. Okay. So uh, I see that you start with a very basic title, uh, the one of Elohim or the shorter version of El. Mm-hmm. And um, why don't you start in talking a little bit about Elohim, if you would.
1: If we were to read uh, Genesis 1-1 in the Hebrew Elohim would be the name that is used for God. When it says God created the heavens and the earth, that's the name he used for himself at that point. It was a common a common word used as a title for gods or mighty things in Semitic languages. So it could be used for example for uh, angelic beings as well as for gods. the gods of the Amorites, for the god of the Amorites, for example, Joshua twenty-four fifteen, would be a place where we'd see that name used. Uh, if you talk about other gods besides God, the name that would be used in Judges two nineteen or Exodus twenty-three, is Elohim. Uh, it probably means something like strength, strength or might, or power. And uh, the thing that we need to remember when we're talking about El as a name, which, by the way, is one of those parts of God's name which is often uh, put together with other human names to make a specific name, the Im that is at the end is actually a plural. And so when we see the name Elohim, it's El with the plural ending. Uh, the most common usage is as the name of the Creator, the, gods of, uh, the God of Israel, and uh, there have been a number of suggestions given as to why the name of God is given in plural. It might be good for us to stop for a moment and just uh, think a little bit about what some of those suggestions have been.
0: I don't think we have talked about this, so I'm interested in your in in your in your take on that
1: and I in yours yeah and <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: I think the t- I think the two main thoughts of that are the magnifying his power, mm-hmm. his strength um, that his strength is above a singular power of use but multiplied power right. um, and but then there is the attachment to uh, whether that is in, inferring something toward the Trinity, mm. um, and so I'm, I'm, uh, I don't have a dogmatic view on that, um, but um, certainly because we don't need to say that uh, because we have, um, especially uh, like Isaiah's, who will go for us, so mm-hmm. we already have the plural there in the Old Testament, so we don't need Elohim to show Trinity. Yes, but I don't know that it doesn't. I'm, I'm not. I'm not dogmatic on that uh, either way. But I, th- I think those are the two main thoughts on that. Are there – side do you have anything that you've – I'll uh, be honest with you. Yeah. I
2: got on a rabbit trail back here and I – Stopped listening for a couple seconds. So I have no thought on what was being said. No thought on that. Okay. Well, we hope
1: you get back actually, from the trail. He
0: was actually working back there. Is what was yeah. Yeah. So
1: yeah, there, the one that you mentioned first is what we would call the pluralis majesticus, and it's actually the idea that God's name is so high and so great that it is referred to in a plural form, the plural form of majesty. Uh The other concept that you mentioned is is very uh, controversial. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there are There are excellent scholars who have agreed that the use of the plural of Elohim uh, many times in the Old Testament could be, very likely is an indication that God is identifying himself as a Trinity. Um, others completely deny that that could be the case, that it's just used every time as indicating either the might of God uh, or His exalted position, yeah. but that it, it is not referring to the Trinity. My personal view is that while we have it, we have the ability with absolute confidence to recognize that God is revealed all the way through the scriptures as a trinity. Um, We don't have to doubt that there are places where the plural use, Elohim, would reflect that. But we don't necessarily have to say that that is its primary reason for being in the plural.
0: Right. I think it allows for that trinity conversation but i don't think we don't need it to mean that either. that right. i think that's one thing we don't we don't need to press that upon that word because we have yeah, right. that truth other, otherwise. yes. so
1: and we'll talk more about that as we go along right. how we derive the information, the data from scripture that help us to be confident that god identifies himself as a trinity. right. right.
0: The, uh, the word El is used then uh, in relation with other uh, descriptors right. uh, to, uh, that God uses as a name for himself. Mm-hmm. And so um, El Yon, meaning the God Most High. Um, the El Shaddai, which is one I think has become more, more well-known from songs, uh, yes. meaning God Almighty. Uh, there are in uh, Genesis 48. And then El Olam. olam, olam, right mm-hmm. is the everlasting God. Right, and so certainly throughout the Old Testament, you see that L used in names of cities and names of people. Yes, because they want to attach the, the Elohim, the God yes. of, of the the supreme God, to that place or to that person. Um, but uh, in in relation to these three. Uh, uses God Himself is saying some other truth about Him. He's talking about. He's attaching to that Elohim thought that He is the Most High, that He is Almighty, uh, that He is everlasting. And yes. so it's it's a, an additional descriptor right. to those uh, to that name that is um, basic. Then, as he, af- after he uses Elohim to yeah. describe Himself, basically he then adds to that. Yes. Right, to uh, describe himself. And I
1: think that, Dan, that that is a very significant part of our argument that God's choice of his own names was with the full and complete plan of God to fill out those names with additional information. So that even though they were names that were prevalent in the ancient Near East, it's the fact that God has wrapped around those names, truth concerning himself, just as he does with El Elyon and El Shaddai, adding more information about himself. And the more the information that's added, both from the way he uses his names and the things he does as this one, fill out the picture of who God is. Right. So we do that same thing with our names.
0: So, your, your name is Jim, um, that in itself doesn't mean anything, so it's not like Elohim where Elohim means mighty or strength. Right. But then we would add to that um, Pastor Jim, mm-hmm. or Grandpa mm-hmm. Jim, right. or you know, or we would call you Dad instead, yes. or a variety of, of uh, other words that might be attached to that. And so Jim would be your basic name, but then there would be attachments on that that would better describe, for this particular instance, a truth about you, right? Right. So we do that same thing, kind of thing.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Dad, as you had mentioned, you said you know we see that uh, we see L used in cities and stuff. That all anyone, no, no matter how interested you are in Hebrew or not, you've used this because Israel. Yes, would be as uh, right. fighter of God and talking right. about Jacob when he wrestled with God, yeah. right? But that would be another use of that. That that's not one that people are trying to. That's not people trying to have God in the name. That's God actually giving that to somebody. But yes, that, that yeah. would be one where we had been used. Right. Uh, we've used it a lot. Um, but how would so we have all these different names, if Elohim and El Elyon, El Shaddai and El Olam, and then there's many, many more. How would someone you know, an average person picking up the NIV, if they're reading through, how would they tell, okay, this, this name of God is being used here. Uh, for, for us in English, we're just reading God
0: generally. So how right. could we tell those differences? So in these three particular instances, um, you would not know from the English what the Hebrew phrase is. So in Genesis 48, the El Shaddai, it's going to say God Almighty. The way you can know it's something is that the, the G and the A are capitalized together. Uh, so if you're aware of the names of God, then you could surmise that there is something additional than Elohim said there. You know, you know what I'm saying? Uh, in, in the Isaiah passage, the everlasting God, it's not capitalized, and it would be harder to use that rule to understand that it's saying mm-hmm. something. But when there's a descriptor connected to the simple title God or, or Lord that we'll see in a minute, um, then it's a, it's a clue that in the original language there is a, a title given.
1: And it's also possible, Cy, for us to become familiar with the ways in which the names are translated Generally, if the Bible is well edited, the translators and the uh, editors will work together to make sure that the same kinds of phrases are used again and again to represent the Hebrew words behind them. So you will have God Most High representing El Elyon. You will have God Almighty as El Shaddai every time. That's how you will find it translated, mm-hmm. which means that you can then back translate to El Shaddai. Right. Okay.
0: So that that's that's actually a really big um, translation question. If I were to translate your name into any other language, it would not change. Your name would still be right. Sai, uh, and so that's a real question of translation. As should we. <laughs> Leave those alone, right. mm-hmm. uh, maybe with the parentheses of God Almighty or something. I, yeah. I think uh, there's times where it would be really nice in our in our end language for us English to have those there, right. um, but but they're not. They're, it's it's the straight English that we would read, but they are consistent. Um, like you're yes. saying, so that you can see that that name, God most high, throughout um, you know multiple uses. Um, but I, I, I have always thought, and I would like for them to just left the the Greek there right. or the Greek or the Hebrew there uh, and uh, and let us let us use uh, those um, those titles as his name.
1: I will mention that there are uh, Bibles, both, uh, from the, the Hebrew perspective, Jewish Bibles, and also English Bibles in which they have made an effort to do that. Mm -hmm. And so every time you find a name of God in those particular translations, you will find them just as you described.
0: Right. But they're not very common translations.
1: They're not common translations, right. but they are. They're helpful if you want to be able to do mm-hmm. that kind of study. Right, right. and, and so,
0: footnotes are there. I mean, in in the study Bibles, yes, uh, footnotes are there for uh, those kind of things one time, and then. The next times it says "see, see. <laughs> yeah. see
2: this note, this note over here," but now I mean, with the with the internet, you can look look up any passage. T- type right. in Inter- Isaiah six, whatever yeah. interlinear, interlinear, and it'll pop up, That's and it'll right. tell you what it'll show the name. You know, it, the the Bible might just say God, but it'll
0: show you that name, and you can look up that That's name right. and figure yeah. that out. And That's right. That's knowing a great study. It That's is. That's an amazing study. knowing that word interlinear. Yes, is a great word to know because yes. you can put in any scripture and interlinear, and it will come up with the English and the original language right, right there, right. and you can, and it's it's all online. I mean, it's this, it's all there, uh, so it's free to free to use. You don't even need a, a study mm-hmm. software uh, to do that. So inter interlinear. Yeah, yeah. that was
2: something a uh, uh, kind of a rabbit trail here, but in high school, one of my Bible classes, we did a Uh, a study of the first use in scripture of a lot of these L names. Mm -hmm. And it was, it was really a cool study to walk through and see, see why, why that was used for the first time there and what was going on around there. And it's, it's it's one that, you know, we all think, okay, there's, there's 800 names of God, like they're all in there, but it's, it was really a very cool study.
0: We're actually going to comment on that thought with the next name that we're going to use. So, The next one, uh, moving on from Elohim, is Yahweh or Jehovah, which Mm -hmm. are actually the same word. Yes, I think sometimes people get uh, confused about about that. So, talk a little bit about that.
1: All right, let me explain a little bit about that. One thing that
0: Tetragrammaton. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) that you're going to talk about. The
1: Tetragrammaton. One of the things that we need to recognize in regard to. this this issue is something that we could have talked about in more detail when we were going through Bibliology, but it pertains primarily to the Hebrew language. If you were to look at a, at a Hebrew text that was printed, for example, or written out by scribes before about the sixth or seventh century, what you would notice immediately is that there is, no, uh, there is no content that would describe to you what the vowels should be. All that is written is the consonants. And that's the way Hebrew has traditionally been written. The people knew how to pronounce the words, but they did not have to have vowel points to help them to understand it. After the Masoretes worked on the text, and there were a few others who did this before them, but they were the ones who standardized it uh, around the 7th or 8th century. After they had worked on the text, all of the major printings of the Bible, once it began to be printed, or even after it was written out by a scribe, uh, would include what we call vowel points. And those vowel points underneath have certain forms to them, and based upon the way they're written, you know how to pronounce them. So if you were to look at a Hebrew Bible that didn't have vowel points in it, what you would see when you come to Jehovah or Yahweh is Yod, He, Vow, He. That's all you would see. Yahweh. And the Yahweh is based upon... So you were saying the Greek letters... The Hebrew letters.
0: I'm sorry, the Hebrew letters. (laughs) (laughs) It's all Greek. right? (laughs) To transliterate them, YHWH or YHVH would be what we would see. Yes, you'd
1: see the Yod-Heh-Vav-Heh. That's all you'd see. Now, the pronunciation is another interesting problem, and it's part of the reason that we have Jehovah as a very common way to translate this name of God. Because the Hebrews were so careful about not pronouncing this name of God, they substituted the vowels for the word for Lord, Adonai, in Hebrew, underneath these consonants. So let me go over this again. It sounds a little fuzzy, but this is what happened. They refused to pronounce Yahweh as the name of God. They refused to pronounce it as it should be pronounced with the vowel points under it that it would have. So, they substituted another name for Lord, Adonai. They substituted the A-O-I for those vowels. And so, Jehovah, or Jehovah, Is what resulted, and so we use Jehovah as a very common uh, way to to mention this name or to talk about this name. But when you hear people or or you see written Yahweh, don't be offended by that. It's actually closer to the way in which a Hebrew would read that word, that name, than Jehovah is but they're both referring to the same name of God. And it's not
2: some it's not like a a, a silent coup was happening across the nation that's why they didn't want to say it. It was no. because of reverence for the name that they they changed it so that they couldn't say this one wrong. If they if they were to pronounce it wrong, they would pronounce the wrong name wrong so they got the
1: right name right. Yes. Right? Exactly. Exactly. Thank you for
0: clearing that up. <laughs> <laughs> No, but i the so Jehovah is a word that has been brought into English mm-hmm. um and so sometimes we see Jehovah and sometimes we see Lord, yes, that is from Yahweh, but they're really the same word. Yes. there's not a difference in those words, they are the same word right? that's right, yeah
1: and since you mentioned Lord, it's good for us to recognize the fact that again, our Bible editors have done us a real favor. Mm-hmm by helping us to recognize every time this name is used because it is is put in uh, capital letters. So when we read L-O-R-D, Lord, in capital letters, we know it's referring to Yahweh or Jehovah. When we read uh, Adonai, the other name for Lord, it's capital L, but then small letters for the rest of the name.
0: So there, there is a difference. As you're reading your English translation, you can know when it is Yahweh. Yes. Uh, because it will either say Jehovah or it will be Lord in all caps. Right. Right. Yeah.
1: You mentioned the tetragrammaton. Of course, it's because it's made up of a series of uh, letters, or the the letters that are printed, and the vowels that go along with them help to make up this set of sounds, this set of letters that uh, make up the name. But the important thing for us is to recognize the fact that this is a name that not only is used in scripture, that God has used in scripture, uh, to describe himself, perhaps based on some meaning that the word might've had in the ancient Near East. The Lord personalized this name in a very unique way. And it's that usage of the name Yahweh that we need to look at a little bit further.
0: So this one has um, more attached descriptor descriptor words throughout the Bible than L does uh, for the names of God. Um, And they are common. Uh, Some of them are... Uh, more common in church life. But again, just like with Elohim, they're not translated with their name, typically. Mm -hmm. It's translated as to what it means. Uh, And so it is harder on this one to see that it is a descriptor because it is often um, the Lord is. Mm -hmm. And so... You don't recognize that it is a, a name of God as as the phrase is, yes, because it's it's uh, it's not as clear that that is it. However, you would have the Lord in all caps, yes, at that at yes. that uh, use. Uh, and so, y- when you see the Lord is as an all caps and then a description, that very well may be um, a, t- a title a name. Right. right. Yeah. Right.
1: The the name. Uh, is found in that very special way that we're talking about in, uh, in the book of Exodus. And I think it would be good for us to read that passage to uh, get a, a basic idea of how the Lord introduced his name to not only Moses, but to the Israelites in general. Um, we remember the occasion of the burning bush. Moses is, uh, is approached by the Lord through the bush. And in the conversation that follows, the Lord is telling him various things concerning himself. If you look at the description that's given in verse uh, 6, he said to Moses, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. By the way, that becomes so important as we see God talking about himself through the Old Testament and the New Testament, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Because he will continually refer back to himself as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And the interesting thing that's involved in that is it always emphasizes two things. I continue to exist and they continue to exist. Think about that for a little bit (laughs) then we see the the Lord saying I've seen the affliction of my people I want you to go Moses and we're going to set them free and then Moses says but but uh, you know if I go to them uh, how am I going to tell them that you sent me and so in verse 10 we read this therefore come now I will send you to Pharaoh so that you may bring out my people the sons of Israel from Egypt But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the sons of Israel out of Egypt? You feel a little bit of uh, trepidation on Moses' part? I mean, this guy has been out in the wilderness for 40 years. (laughs) He's probably forgotten a little of his Egyptian. And now the Lord is saying, You have to go back in there, Moses, to that land that you fled from and... I've got a mission for you. We're going to free my people. So he says, Lord, well, how am I going to do this? Who am I that I should do this? And he said, certainly I will be with you. And this shall be the sign uh, to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall worship God at this mountain. Then Moses said to God, Behold, I am going to the sons of Israel, and I will say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. Now they may say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Thus shall you say to the sons of Israel, I am has sent you, has sent me to you. God further said to Moses, Thus you shall say to the sons of Israel, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and this is the name, my memorial name to all generations. Go and gather the elders of Israel together and say to them, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, has appeared to me, saying, I am indeed concerned about you and what has been done to you in Egypt, so I will bring you out. So not only is he using his name Elohim, continually saying that he is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but he is saying that he's introducing to them a memorial name, a name by which he will always be known, a name as the covenant-keeping God uh, who always is their God. And he identifies himself as the I Am, which is part of the name Yahweh. Yeah, so that introduction
0: of uh, him as the I Am um, is a pretty crucial name for, uh, for God. Uh, that he gives to Moses to give to Pharaoh. And um, I think that ends up being crucial throughout the New Testament as well, which is yes. which is of, of great use when Christ refers to himself as I am. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that uh, carries through. So m- many of these names are either in the Old Testament or in the New Testament, mostly because of Hebrew and Greek. But this thought carries through clearly from both the old to, yes. the, to the new yes. um, with Christ. Uh, referring to himself as I am. Okay. Um, I think we are to a point that uh, we're going to close for today. Um, we have talked about Elohim and we have talked a little bit about Yahweh, but I don't think we've covered Yahweh yet. Right. <laughs> so so we're going to return to that. Um, but knowing the names of God um, help us to give him glory, to lift Uh, him up in a a better understanding of who he is Um, and so this study is one that is valuable for us uh, so that we can uh, know better uh, how God communicates himself to us and grow in our understanding of of who he is that way. So thank you for joining with us today Um, do uh, make sure to uh, communicate with us if you would either through um, review or through comment or through email you could email me at pd at CrossBridgeIndy.com, and I'd uh, love to hear from you. Uh, thoughts you have, questions you have, uh, any comments would be great, and uh, we would uh, love to hear from uh, from you for sure. So thank you for joining us, and uh, give God glory uh, as you learn more about His name.